I'm sure many of you grew up with family meals, celebrations, and various weekly rhythms that revolved around the dinner table. Growing up in England, I enjoyed a roast dinner with my family after every church service on Sunday. My dad would make an apple crumble, put some blackberries in there, or as we call it here in Canada, an apple crisp. And there was something wonderfully grounding and unifying about that family time shared over a meal. I'm sure we can all think back to beautiful moments of community that have taken place around the table. There is a reason we gravitate to s'mores around the campfire, coffee with friends at the cafe, and steaks or tofu to celebrate special events and anniversaries. As we will see this week and the next, through God's word, we see that gathering around a common table has always been central to the life of God's people by his good design. Part of what has been so difficult about this season of COVID is that many of these precious table moments have had to cease. For many weeks, restaurants were closed. We were forbidden to enter one another's homes and we've all felt this loss on a deep level. Friends, God created the dinner table. He created food and good food brings glory to our good God. The glory of the Lord is revealed in poutine, my friends. Yes, a uniquely Canadian glory, but it's a glory. Today, I'm sitting around a dinner table right here because we are gonna look at something that Jesus himself established around the table with his disciples, a God-given meal, which is absolutely central and essential to our relationship with him and with one another. I'm honored today to have this opportunity to open up God's word as we look together at the Lord's Supper or as we here at CA Church call it, communion. And so let's start today by opening up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're gonna start reading together at verse 23. Paul writes this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. God, we invite you through your Holy Spirit to speak to us today through your living word. Would you be with us in this moment, opening our hearts to truth? God, we wanna hear from you. In your name we pray, amen. If you're a note taker or someone who likes a roadmap, here is where we're going today. We're gonna to look at the what, the how, and the who of the Lord's Supper of communion. What is it, how do we do it, and who is it for? So we start with the what, what is communion? Did you know that one way to view the grand narrative of the Bible, the overarching story of God and us, his people, is through a series of significant meals recorded in the Bible. The first meal in the Bible involves Adam and Eve eating from the forbidden tree. We see food poisoning take place of the worst kind, except it's not just our bodies that feel the effects. In Genesis 3, we have a meal that takes place without God. It's a moment where Adam and Eve choose to reject God and his commandments in favor of their own way. As a result of this meal, there is a separation that takes place between God and man. Death, decay, and all the effects of sin wreak havoc on the whole of God's creation. The second significant meal takes place in Egypt on the night before God delivers his people out of slavery. 
This was called the Passover meal. And God instructed his people to slaughter a lamb and place the blood of that lamb on the door frames of the houses in order for them and their families to be saved. As the angel of death came over the land that night, in a very tangible sense, the lamb died instead of the firstborn son of each household because their households were passed over on the basis of the blood of the lamb on the door. On that night, as they prepared to flee, they were instructed by God to eat the lambs that they had killed with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. In this Passover meal, we see God pursuing his people and providing the means for their salvation and rescue. After God had liberated his people out of Egypt, the Israelites were instructed by him to celebrate and observe a Passover feast each year to remind them of how he saved them and rescued them out of Egypt. The meal was a tangible reminder for all participating that they belonged to God, that he had saved them to be his people. But the Passover meal wasn't just a reminder of what God had done. This meal was pointing forward to something. It was a foretaste of a greater salvation to come. When Jesus comes onto the scene, he is referred to by John as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Paul writes that Christ is our Passover lamb that was slain. All of the imagery of being saved by the lamb was pointing towards Jesus, towards another meal, towards his saving work on the cross. Just as God's people were saved by the blood of the lamb in Egypt, so we as God's people now are saved from Satan, sin and death through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. It's during the celebration of this Passover feast in Jerusalem, when everyone's looking back to what God did in Egypt, that Jesus sits down with his disciples and institutes a new meal to mark God's new saving work. It's during this meal that he utters the words that we read earlier. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I want to read this quote by theologian Jonathan Griffiths to help us understand the significance of the words here that Jesus is bringing. This is some really important theology for us. And so let's listen closely. He says, as the Passover meal served as a foundational meal of the old covenant, taking place on the brink of the foundational saving act of that covenant, which was the exodus from Egypt. So the Lord's Supper was the new foundational meal of the new covenant taking place on the brink of the saving work that Jesus would achieve on the cross. As the Passover meal served as a reminder of the redemption that the Lord achieved for his people in bringing them out of bondage in Egypt, the Lord's Supper becomes a powerful reminder of the redemption that the Lord Jesus has achieved for us, his people, in releasing us from slavery to sin. Listen, this is so important. This meal is the foundational and enduring symbol of the new covenant in Christ. And so Jonathan gives us a wonderful answer to what the Lord's Supper is. The Lord's Supper, communion, is the foundational and enduring symbol of the new covenant in Christ. Friends, this is a meal that God has given us to help us tangibly remember the saving work that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And so in the life of the early church, we see that followers of Jesus were gathering together regularly to partake in the Lord's Supper. In Acts 2 verse 46, we read that day by day they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. 
Followers of Jesus were centering their community life around this meal given by Jesus himself to remind them of his saving work. But this isn't simply history for the early church. This is something that Jesus himself has given us as his followers. And as we are going to see, this meal is an integral part of God's design for our intimacy with him and our fellowship and unity as God's people. Communion isn't an optional extra, but rather an essential part of what it means to relate to God and to one another. Let me just give us some general advice, church. Every time we come across something in the Bible that God is inviting us into, every time we come across something that God is saying he is giving us, we should pay attention because we can know that it is for our good and it is for his glory. And so what does it actually look like for us to participate in this meal? What's God inviting us into today? Perhaps you've been at church for a while and you see everyone taking the bread, you see everyone taking the juice and you're just trying to keep up and you're thinking, what is everyone doing? What are they thinking about? I want us to dive into that. Maybe you've been afraid to ask and I want us to dive into that now. What should I actually be doing when I'm taking communion? We've looked at the what, now let's look at the how. Firstly, we look back. During communion, we look back. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Friends, when we gather together to participate in the Lord's Supper, we're experiencing the bread and the wine, or for us, juice, as symbols that point us back to what Jesus did for us on the cross. We remember that God gave himself, his own body and his own blood for us, a people who did nothing to deserve it. The precious lamb of God was slain so that we might experience the forgiveness of our sin and restored relationship with God for eternity. We remember that Christ purchased our salvation. We sing it. He sealed our pardon with his blood. Communion brings us back time and time again to make Christ's saving work central to our life as followers of Jesus. And during communion, we're reminded of how the past work of Jesus is shaping and forming every moment of our present. That we have been made new and welcomed into his family, that his spirit is transforming us day by day, that Satan, sin and death no longer have a hold on us. By looking back, we are brought into the reality of the present. We're located in the story of redemption that God is writing in our lives. By looking back and remembering what Jesus has done, we are grounded in this moment in who we are. We are precious sons and daughters of the Most High. Friends, this is a time for deep gratitude, for reverence, for a serious contemplation of all that Jesus has done for us. At the table, we look back and are reminded that it is finished. There's no need for us to add to the work of Jesus. We're not invited into a relationship with God and then asked to keep striving in order to stay saved or keep God happy with us. Friends, we couldn't earn our salvation. We look back and remember that we don't deserve it. It's his free gift to us. We look back. But this isn't simply remembering a historical event in the past. This is different from a funeral or a memorial service because we recognize that Jesus isn't dead. Because of his resurrection and ascension, he's ruling and reigning, seated at the right hand of God. And his Holy Spirit is with us now. And so as we gather, we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is with us as we gather around the table together. To look back and remember, we don't just bring to mind a historical fact. We enjoy fellowship and relationship with God in this moment as his people through the Holy Spirit. As we here at CA Church gather and we take the bread and the juice, we recognize that God himself is with us by his spirit as we eat together, 
As we look back, we encounter him in the present. And so we look back. Secondly, we look around. Friends, the Lord's Supper is a we event and not a me event. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. This is not a moment between God and individuals. It's corporate. It's a time to recognize that through Jesus, we are all part of his body. We are one family in Christ. It's not about me and God. It's about we and God. Through taking communion, we recognize that the work of Jesus has brought us together and it is him who keeps us together. Because God has made us right with him, he's also made us right with one another. And this is a huge part of why Jesus has given us communion as a way for us to experience deep fellowship and relationship together. For us to regularly look around to one another and say, we are one in Christ. When we come to the table together, we are declaring that we are at peace with God and we are at peace with one another. This is why Paul has such strong warnings about being sure that we aren't taking communion while knowingly having disunity in the church. He warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And he invites us to examine ourselves before we participate in the Lord's Supper. Theologian and pastor Eric Raymond has a great explanation of what it means to discern the body and examine ourselves. He says this, this means to know that you are part of a church family. This local church together is composed of different people with different experiences and various issues. But at least two things are in common. We are sinners and we are united together by faith in Christ. Therefore, if there are outstanding relational issues, they need to get worked on. We don't just bury stuff under the rug. We have to deal with it. If it's a sin, then we need to deal with it biblically. If there are issues of disagreement, we need to do our best to work them out. The Lord's Supper is the regular reminder that we are good with Jesus and that we are good with one another. If one or both of these is not true, then we should not take the supper. If we are, then we are to enjoy this meal as we look around together, acknowledging the bond of unity. And so when we gather to take communion with one another, there is an aspect of preparing ourselves by coming before God and asking him to reveal any unforgiveness or sinful stuff in our hearts that we have towards one another. There have been moments in my own life where I've both gone to apologize to someone and I've had someone come to find me during communion. Friends, we look around through communion and are reminded as we look that we are a forgiven people and a forgiving people. We're a forgiven people and a forgiving people. So as we take communion, can I encourage you? Don't have your eyes closed the whole time. Don't make it about just you and God. This is us together. People in the room are not distractions. We are one with the body of Christ. Jesus has brought us together and is sustaining us. Open your eyes. Thank God for his church. Thank him for one another. In my Anglican church growing up, we did a thing called passing the peace. Someone would put out their hand and say, peace be with you. And then another would shake and say, and also with you. It was a physical way of showing that we are one body. And we did this during communion. I would go around and during the one minute that we had, I'd try and get as many passing the pieces as possible. I also read this week something really interesting. The astronaut Buzz Aldrin actually took communion on the moon. And when he got back, he was reflecting on that experience. And he said this, I sensed especially strongly my unity with our church back home and with the church everywhere during that moment. 
Friends, that's what it's all about. It wasn't just Buzz and God, just him and God alone at that moment. It was a him and all of the global church together. Could you imagine looking at the earth and recognizing as you take communion that you are one with this entire population of Christians? This is what it's all about. And so friends, communion, we look back and we look around and we look forward. We've looked at three significant meals in the Bible so far, but there is one more that we need to take a look at. In Revelation 19, we see the marriage supper of the Lamb. The eternal state for us God's people is represented in Revelation as a feast with Jesus, a meal, a celebration with all the nations, races, and peoples of the earth throughout all the ages. I'm kind of excited, to be honest, to see what Jesus is going to be cooking during that meal. The Lord's Supper points us forward to this future hope of an eternity spent face to face with Jesus. Jesus proclaims during the Lord's Supper in Matthew 26 this, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He's looking forward during the Lord's Supper to this event. And Paul also writes that we proclaim his death each time until he comes. Friends, every time we take communion together, God is reminding us of what is to come. I love this quote from this man named Guy Prentice Walters. That's a great name. The Lord's Supper not only looks back to Passover and the redemption accomplished there, it also looks forward to the eternal feast where our redemption will be consummated. When we sit down at the Lord's table, we're participating in a dress rehearsal. I love that language. The words of institution remind us that we do this until he comes. In other words, the best is yet to come. We've been treated to an appetizer in this life. The fullness of the meal awaits when the Savior returns. When we come to the table, God grounds us in our living hope and reminds us that he is coming back. And so at the table, together we look back, we look around and we look forward. And we don't do this on our own, but with the very spirit of God present with us. I hope we see that taking communion isn't about ticking a box to make God happy with us. Sometimes I think it can be seen that way as some sort of religious act that needs to be done on a monthly basis in order to get our quota for God done that month in order that we might appease him. Friends, I hope we can see that when we come before God together in communion, we aren't fundamentally doing something for him, but he is doing something for us. God is grounding us in what is most true about us, that because of what he has done, we are now fully his. In the midst of so many voices and forces crying out for us in this life, God invites us to get around his table to remind us of who we are and where we're going. The Lord's table is an expression of his grace, mercy, and love to us. Do we see how good our God is? He has given us this meal for our spiritual nourishment. It's a part of sustaining us in our journey as followers of Jesus. He has given us this meal to bring us into continual and deeper fellowship with him. He is so good. We've looked at the what, we've looked at the how. And so finally, I want to look at the who. Who is this table for? Guys, have you ever tried to get a reservation at a fancy restaurant on Valentine's Day? Perhaps even try to get that reservation the day before? I'm sure none of us have ever had that problem. Perhaps that's how the Lord's table has been presented to us in the past. Something for the really holy people who managed to get a seat at an extremely exclusive table. 
But here is the reality. None of us in our right deserve a seat at this table. We've all sinned and fallen short. But because of God's great love for us, he has invited all those who look to Jesus for forgiveness to come. We don't take the Lord's Supper because we've been a good Christian that week, because we've had seven days of righteous and holy living behind us that somehow makes us worthy, because we've been extra spiritual that week. We come as sinners in need of a saviour. We come recognising our great need for his mercy and we are welcomed on the basis of the very thing that we are gathering to remember, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Listen, friends, we're precisely all able to come to this table, not because of our sinless record, but because the one with the sinless record took our place. We come to the table as sinners in need of grace. The communion table is an experience of the gospel again and again as we are received by God each time by his grace alone. This isn't a table to keep people out, no. This is a table to welcome sinners in. No one is too far gone for God's scandalous grace. No one is disqualified. And so we turn from our sin, we confess it, we bring it before God and we run into his loving arms of grace. This table is for all those who recognize their great and continual need for Jesus. I want us to end by seeing something incredible here in the word. Theologian Legan Duncan said, this is the moment where Jesus is essentially saying, watch this Satan. In Genesis 3, 6, we go back to that first meal that took place without God. And it says there, she took and she ate. She took and she ate. And now Jesus is sitting with his disciples around the table. And in Matthew 26, he says, take and eat, take and eat. This is my body. Take and eat were once words that brought about our separation from God, words that led to death and decay. And now because Christ has given his life for you and for me, because he gave himself in our place, take and eat are now words that lead to our life. The first meal without God led to our eternal separation. And this meal with Jesus reminds us that he has brought us back and that we are now his forever. As we declare in song, oh precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Friends, because of what Jesus has done, all of us are welcome to come. We turn from our sin. We look to the grace of Jesus and he welcomes us. His spirit is with us as we do this together. He is a good God. Amen. I want to say to everyone watching, that you are invited to this table. God has done everything necessary to welcome you in as his beloved child. I would invite us all to turn from our sin and to run into the loving arms of our God. In a few moments, we're gonna take communion together and perhaps for the first time, some of us may decide to come to the table and to remember what God has done for us. And I'm gonna walk us through that. But before we do that, let us pray. Jesus, we recognize that we are a people that have sinned, but that you have come after us, that you gave your life so that we could be welcomed back into relationship with you, God, forever. And we thank you for communion. We thank you for this meal that reminds us and centers us on all that you have done for us. It tells us who we are at this moment, your precious sons and your precious daughters who are loved eternally by you. Thank you, God, for this meal. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.
Amen. We're going to take this moment to come together to the Lord's table and receive communion together. I understand that the word together is slightly strange given the fact that I'm in a room with a camera and we're scattered across the lower mainland watching this at different times. I think I want to recognize up front that this is not how it should be. We're longing to be back together in a room and this is an incomplete picture of how God has designed this to function. However, during this time, I hope that as we take communion, it will create in us a deeper longing to be together again. In the same way that Paul says, we're looking forward to Christ being back with us forever. It's the same. We're looking forward to being back together in our wonderful sanctuary and at town center together again. But I think there are a few things that we can do at this moment to to increase that sense of being together, to get away from the me and Jesus to the we and Jesus. If you're watching this during one of our live streams, would you head into the chat right now? And I'd love to see that chat filling up with various households and individuals saying, peace be with you. Can you write that right now? Peace be with you. Let's just fill that up and we can see and be reminded that we are not alone at this moment. We are together. If you're in a room and there are other people with you, maybe you're in a small gathering, Time to look around and say, peace be with you. Just recognize that you are with the body at this moment. And if you are alone at home or you're watching this at a later time, I would just encourage you, just take a moment of quiet, maybe close your eyes, invite the Holy Spirit to bring to mind our family at CA Church. So just think at this moment of the precious church that we are a part of. And in your heart, just say before God, peace be with you as if you were saying it before one another. Let us take communion together. I'm going to read the words of institution one more time. Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat the body of Jesus together. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink of the blood of Jesus together. Lord, at this time, as we come and we receive these symbols of your body, and of your blood. God, we look back and we remember what you have done for us. We remember what you accomplished on the cross. We thank you that everything in our life is transformed because of what you have done for us. We are welcomed in. We are forgiven because of what you've done and we say thank you. Lord, you were there in our place. Thank you. God, we look around And we recognize that we are not where we want to be altogether, but still we are cognizant. We are reminded of the fact that we are not individuals in this, Lord. We are together in one body that you have made us at peace with you and at peace with one another. We look around and we say thank you for this church. And God, we look forward. We recognize that we are not fully yet where we will be for eternity, which is face to face with you now and forever. And so God, would you, by your Holy Spirit, encourage us and bring us great hope for where we will be with you for eternity. Thank you that you are coming back. In your name we pray.
Amen. Now at this time, we're going to respond with a song of worship. I would invite you as we close today to sing the doxology with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.